you speak to us afresh, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Please do uh, sit down. Welcome to those of you who've joined us since we got going. Um, all being well, as I say, you should have two sheets, uh, one a light bluey color, one a Christmas tree green um, that uh, you'll need. Uh, we're going to look at the second of those uh, first of all, actually, this evening, um, the, the rejection stronghold. But just before that, um, at the back of the blue sheet, the light blue sheet, uh, you will find there is a tearaway piece of paper. Um, which has Living Free 2008 feedback written on it. I think I said to you in the first couple of weeks that, um, that you are still guinea pigs uh, for this course as we develop it uh, and grow it. Um, that's all right, I just had a horrible feeling I'd forgotten to do something, but I didn't. Um, uh, and so it would be really helpful if uh, either this evening uh, or over the next week or two, uh, you were to fill these in somehow and get them back to me. There is a white box. There was a white box. There will be a white box, a bit like the now and the not yet, the kingdom of God. We'll come to that in a bit. Uh, there will be a white box on the bookcase at the back, which seems to have disappeared. No idea where. Uh, there will be one there that says church office on it. So you can put it in there. You can hand it into the church office or you can hand it to me uh, either this evening or on another day over the next few weeks. Uh, do be honest. Um, I can take it. Um, uh, and so do say anything that you'd like to say and you'd like to see improved. Anything that you'd like to hear more teaching on. Anything you'd like to hear less teaching on uh, would be particularly helpful. Some people last time filled the hole of the back of the page. Um, uh, and uh, it, was, it was helpful. And some of the comments that they made have been worked into... Most of the comments that they made have been worked into uh, the course uh, this time. Just so that you're aware, because one of the questions on it is um, whether you would recommend the course to others. Uh, what our plans are for living free going forward, um, if people ask you, uh, we're not planning to do it next term or indeed the term after um, on a weekday evening. Uh, we're in fact uh, going to uh, take a break for the spring term and uh, during Lent, uh, Andrew Dow, who was at one time the vicar here, some of you may know him, is going to come and run a course on Revelation on Wednesday evenings. So you might want to just put your diary in there, uh, dating the diary for those. Um, in the summer term, we're going to do much of the Living Free teaching um, as part of the evening service. Um, it won't be the same as the Living Free course because obviously the talks are quite longer, quite long for that uh, situation. But uh, we will do many of the talks as part of the evening service over the summer term. And then we'll re redo the course again on a Thursday evening uh, from uh, late September, early October. The date for that hasn't yet been fixed. Be impressed that we know what we're doing until the summer, um, to be honest. We'll have a date for that sometime fairly soon. But just so you're aware uh, what we're planning uh, to do as far as that's concerned. There was something else I was going to say, and I've forgotten what it was. It doesn't matter. Um, hopefully, you will have um, the 19th in your diary, and you'll have responded to me about that, about the prayer appointments on that day, and also uh, the Wednesday that follows it, which my maths won't let me do it. 20, quick, 23rd, I think, probably? Something like that, the Wednesday that follows it uh, for a session here. One of the things that we'll do in that session is uh, to look at um, what it is that comes against us living, uh, to our original design. Um, and uh, one of the key things in that is, uh, is strongholds, which Jonathan's talked about. We'll actually go through um, or give you a whole load of information on strongholds for you to take away with you. Um, this is just one of them, the rejection strongholds, which I'd like us to just look at. Uh, appreciate that it's six pages long. And some of you are thinking after last week, um, uh, which was a long session, uh, how long are we going to be here? I'm actually going to spend a very short amount of time on this. I want you to take this away with you and read it at home. Um, 
the thing I'd forgotten to say um, was that as part of the teaching in the summer, we're hoping that um, Stuart Lees, who's the vicar of Christchurch Fulham and who was responsible for bringing Living Free over here, will come and teach the authority session, both in the morning and in the evening. Uh, uh, we've given him a couple of dates. We're hoping to fix that in sort of May time or early June. Uh, so do look out for that, particularly if last week uh, you found the session quite heavy. I know one or two of you have fed that to me that that's the case. Uh, there was a lot of content uh, last week. I'm aware of that. Uh, and so do put that uh, when you see it make sure you mark that in the diary um, I want to just talk about uh, this rejection stronghold in light of uh, original design uh, this is in fact um, an artistic impression of my original design uh, my wife uh, did it for me as a Christmas present last year um, I won't leave it up there too long uh, largely because it's embarrassing um, uh, well it's not embarrassing it's glorious because this is what God says about me um, but uh, all of these things are things that have been said about me in prayer appointments time and time again uh, by various people. Um, and so the ones that are consistent, Jess has put into pictorial form for me. In fact, I carry this uh, around with me. This is just a larger version of the one that's in the front of my Bible. Um, and uh, a number of the things on there uh, relate to teaching. And I often will pray through those things uh, before I uh, teach. You'll note the musical notes on, on there um, that talks about um, the fact that God made me to mute music and also to lead other people uh, in worship. Many of you will know I lead worship here uh, at St. Paul's. Uh, what you might not know is that when I was 18 or so, um, I went on a trial uh, for leading worship in our Christian union at the university um, I was at, and I was told, and this is pretty much a quote, that I was very rubbish, um, and that uh, they wouldn't let me even play the piano, let alone lead worship, and that I shouldn't bother trying it uh, ever again. Now, for the next seven or eight years, I really believed that to be true about myself. I wouldn't go anywhere near uh, piano in worship. I used piano at home, obviously, uh, for my own time of worship, but never went uh, near that. And the first time uh, I was prayed for, somebody said that God made me to lead people in sung worship. One of the things he's made about me is that. And I sort of a little bit laughed uh, at that comment because this thing uh, had been said to me. This stronghold rejection uh, that we're going to look at for a few minutes was really firmly ingrained inside of me. This is despite the fact that I have actually got grade 8 singing and grade 8 piano, and I've taught singing piano, and I was teaching singing piano at the time. I didn't feel that this was something God had called me to do for his service for what it was he wanted me to do. It was only when I, uh, Jonathan talked about um, the second type of prayer that we sometimes offer. I sat down with some people who said, Lord, what, it is, what is it about Adam? What is it, sorry, that's stopping Adam from living in the way that you've designed him uh, to be? Now, they didn't know uh, my original design, actually. They didn't have a copy of that. It was a different prayer team. And they named uh, prophetically not only the person who had said that thing to me, but pretty much word for word, the thing that they had said as well. They didn't know quite what it was related to, but they knew that something had been said to me uh, by this person. It was then that I realized God was most certainly speaking to me through this and through my original uh, design. Now, I'd like to say that in that moment, I stopped believing uh, the lies of eight or nine years previously, and I um, then uh, signed up to lead worship in my local church and, and have been leading worship ever since. I'd like to say that was true, um, and that the rejection never took hold of me again. It wasn't actually for a good few years 
that um, I've really began to understand what it is that God has been doing through me through this. It's only in the last few years that I've actually stood and known who it is God's created me to be. Um, so there's a point where I now lead worship um, as I do. What happened the first time uh, was that I declared the truth of who God, what God has spoken over me, and I refused to believe the lies that had been said about me in the past. It took me a few way, a while to work out the best ways uh, of doing that. And when we do this, we need to remember the, the five R's that Jonathan has talked about. Um, sometimes the five R's take a lot longer uh, than we would like them to do. We'd like to just sit down, read through the five R's in five minutes, and think that that's dealt with, and we'll move on uh, to the next thing. Recognition can sometimes be easy, can sometimes be hard. Repentance is very easy, um, and receiving God's forgiveness is very quick. But actually realigning ourselves uh, to God uh, is, sometimes takes a lot longer. Now, this isn't always easy, but no one ever said that following Jesus was going to be easy. But freedom comes, I think, from perseverance, from knowing who it is God has called us uh, to be, and from, from persevering, persevering in it. The evil one was adamant uh, that I shouldn't believe uh, I, that I should believe the lie that had been said over me, that I shouldn't believe that God has called me to lead worship. The evil one doesn't want me to lead worship. And so as a result, in the beginning, I would come against a huge amount of spiritual attack, and um, I recognized later. But I've learned to re rebuke that and realign myself to God to the point where it doesn't affect me um, anymore when I lead worship. Now, as I say, um, uh, rejection was a big part of what I needed to deal with uh, there. And this isn't the only way that rejection has spoken uh, and has influenced uh, my life. And I suspect I'm not the only one uh, with whom rejection has had an issue. Somewhere in our lives, at some point, even if it's back to the school uh, playground where we were picked for teams, rejection has spoken to most of us, uh, I'm sure, in one form or another. The problem lies, I think, in the fact that we're created to get 100% God-quality love. We're made in his image, and we're made to be loved 100% in God-quality uh, love. Sadly, however, as we look around us, God-quality love is in fairly short supply. It's the nature of the fallen world that we don't love one another particularly well. Now, was Jesus ever rejected? Of course he was, on a number of occasions. The difference was that he never operated out of that rejection. He knew who he was. He knew who his father was. He knew where he stood. His attitude was, well, if people reject me, that's their loss because I know who I am. I know who God has made me to be. People can reject us, but it doesn't mean that we're rejected uh, by God. We're not orphans. We're adopted by God. We're seated in the heavenly realms we've been reading. To say this doesn't mean that you never have to battle it again. Uh, it just means that there's a shift that you have to journey through the healing of a heart. Uh, but you start to get to the place where you know you are a son or a daughter um, of the king, not a re wounded, rejected person. Uh, as I say, I've chosen rejection for us this evening, but it's not my intention to go through it in any detail at all. Uh, what I do want you to do, however, is just to look through the statements under recognizing rejection, which you'll find on, I think, pages two and three. And I'm just going to give you a minute or two to read through these uh, quietly to yourself and perhaps mentally check off uh, any in there that you can see as recognizing for yourself. So I'll just give you two minutes just to do that in the silence on your own. You don't need to necessarily talk to anyone.
just give you another 30 seconds or so. Um, so what I'd like you to do uh, next, um, I want you to do two things. Firstly, as I've said already, I'd like you to take this home with you and to read it uh, from, from cover to cover and, um, and to inwardly digest it uh, if you can and spend a bit longer on it. Uh, what I'd like us to do together uh, is to pray the prayer that's on page five differently to how we've done this a couple of times. I know a couple of times we'd actually pray this all out, to get out loud together. I'm actually just going to pray this out loud and what I'd like you to do is to read it with me and uh, to pray this in your heart, particularly if this is something uh, that as you read through those uh, things on the checklist uh, was something that you know you need to go away and think about in greater detail. So let's uh, just, I will pray these words out, but you don't need to say them out loud. Just pray them in your heart and read along with me. It's on page five, about halfway down. Dear Heavenly Father, I recognize and confess that I have accepted and tolerated feelings and thoughts of rejection and allowed them to shape my life. I repent and break my agreement with them and declare I will not accept them as truth anymore. I receive forgiveness for my sins and thank you that their power is broken through the blood of Christ. In Jesus' name, I rebuke the spirit of rejection and all its energizing influences and lies. I crush under my feet and send you under the authority of Christ. I declare that I am loved rooted and accepted as a child of God. And however any person treats me, I will not allow rejection to control or define me. Thank you for the joy of being loved and being precious in your sight. Amen. And if you just have another moment and I'll just pray for us. Lord, I thank you for the truth that we are your children, that you do love each and every one of us. And Lord, regardless of how we've been treated, regardless of what's happened in the past, I pray that you will help us to see the great love that you have for us as your children, the great relationship that you have in store for us, that we would know that we are loved, accepted, cherished by you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Great. I'll leave that one with you to look at. As I say, uh, the, as Jonathan said when we did the Strongholds talk, there are uh, many, many strongholds for which we haven't got sheets for all of them, but we do have a 70-page document with all sorts of other ones on it, uh, which I will give you after the original design prayer for you to read through uh, at your leisure in the spring term when there's a bit more time. Uh, but I want us to think about uh, this session seven, uh, which is accurately on your sheets. And um, which I've, you, note, you may have noticed slightly reworded uh, the title of anyone that uh, uh, has um, spotted. It was Faith, Victory and Disappointment because that rolls off the tongue a bit, a bit easier. Uh, but actually it's Victory, Disappointment and Faith. I've done that on purpose because I want us to look at them uh, in that order uh, this evening. And I want to start by looking at Victory. Now, the whole point of living free is to enable us to understand and to recapture and, uh, the vision for a church that shares in Christ's victory. 
We need to recapture who we are. We need to understand that we have the victory and that we are indeed free. The idea of the course is to move us from a place of knowing things in the theory uh, to the place where we believe them uh, in our hearts and we begin to experience them in our lives. One of the first things we read, I spoke to earlier, uh, was uh, Ephesians 2 verse 6, where we're told we are seated with Christ who has raised us up with him in the heavenly realms. Where are we seated? What are we doing there? Well, we're not knitting. Uh, I mean, we might, you can knit in the heavenly realms if you particularly enjoy knitting, but that's not the point of us being in the heavenly realms. We're called into this new identity. We're called as a church to know and to claim the victory that Christ has run for us. Now, there's a whole list of things that we have won, that Christ has won the victory for us over uh, there. I'm not going to uh, go through them one by one. I've put them there so that you know that, and I've put verses with them so you know I've not just plucked them um, out of the air. Uh, But essentially, God wants his church to recover a vision for victory so that along with Paul, as he writes to Corinthians, we can generally, genuinely say, as it says at the bottom there, thanks be to God who, will, who always leads us as captives in Christ's triumphal procession and uses us to spread the aroma of the knowledge of him everywhere. To do this, we need to claim our identity as his children. When we become Christians, we have a new identity. We are seated in the heavenly realms. We are, beginning, we are to be growing ever closer to the likeness of Christ who lives in us. This new identity is extraordinary because God is extraordinary. God longs for us to know that identity and to know that we're called to be in relationship with him. As I said a few weeks ago, conversation is the lifeblood of any relationship. And so hearing God speak should be our expectation and not our exception. I know I've said that a lot, uh, but I'm repeating it on purpose because I'm not convinced that a lot of us, it is our expectation. When we have a decision to make, when we're going through a difficult time, is it our expectation that God will speak to us in that? Or do we listen to another voice, perhaps? I just want you to take another moment and think to yourself about what the voice is, the voice that you hear most often uh, sounds like. How good is it? How kind is it? In your thoughts, how good are the thoughts? How kind are the thoughts? Is the voice more often saying, what's the point in this? Who do you think you are in any case? I wonder how many of you uh, wake up on a Monday morning, look in the mirror and say, I am glorious I am wonderful, I am a child of God, and I am seated with him in the heavenly realms. Good. I'm glad. I wonder how many of us do do that. I wonder how many of us uh, go to our universities or our workplaces or wherever it is that we spend our week and say, do you know what? They're really lucky to have me in this place. I said right at the beginning in week one, to believe what God believes about us is not arrogance or boastful. Arrogance is believing that you know better than God. Arrogance is believing something which God does not say about you to be true. And the evil one longs for you to not believe this. Jonathan talked uh, in week two uh, when we looked at Genesis 3 that the devil longs to tempt us to doubt God's word, to doubt God's goodness, 
to doubt God's truthfulness and to doubt God's otherness. That was an excellent summary, and I've just copied it there at the top to remind us. When we listen to these lies, we become accustomed to them, and that will affect how we hear from God. God speaks wonderful and glorious truths over each and every one of us. And as we begin to reject the lies that we have grown up believing, just like the lies that I had grown up believing, and listen to the truth of what God says about us, we'll begin to hear God's voice more and more clearly. Now, before we move um, on to uh, disappointment, uh, I know that one or two of you might still be thinking, well, that's all very well for you uh, up there, uh, but that's not my experience. Uh, God doesn't speak to me like that. He has no intention of using me like that. You have no idea what I've been through uh, in my life, and you have no idea uh, what I've done, and so therefore God cannot and will not use me. Uh, I've used this before in a talk, forgive me, but if you do feel like that, I implore you to read your scriptures. Because Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, Isaac was a daydreamer, Jacob was a liar, Leah was ugly, Joseph was abused, Moses had a stutter, Gideon was afraid, Samson was a flirt, Rahab was a prostitute, Jeremiah and Timothy were both too young, David had an affair and was a murderer, Elijah was suicidal, Isaiah preached naked, Jonah ran from God, Job went bankrupt, Peter denied Christ three times, the disciples fell asleep whilst praying, Martha worried about everything, the Samaritan woman was divorced more than once, Zacchaeus was too small, Paul murdered Christians, Timothy probably had an ulcer, um, and Lazarus, Lazarus, he was dead. <laughs> if God can use a dead man, he can use each and every one of us. Okay, thank you. Let's just think about disappointment for a moment or two. Um, I think I want to begin by telling you about my uh, friend Andy. Um, about seven years ago now, Andy, who was 31 uh, at the time, ran the uh, Edinburgh Half Marathon. Obviously, he was considerably fitter uh, than I am, having run many marathons in the past. And at the end uh, of the marathon, he went into cardiac arrest. Uh, and by the time that they got the right equipment to him, uh, his brain had been starved of oxygen and he'd gone into a coma. Now, his fiancée uh, phoned me and asked if I would gather some people uh, to pray for him, which I did. I'd not long since got hold of this teaching, and I strongly believed in a God who would and could heal him. Uh, I was working in a large church at the time. I gathered 40 or 50 people who committed to praying for him every day. We held special times of continual prayer uh, for him. Just over a week later, Andrew died. Now, each and every day, far worse stories like that and far worse beside get repeated. And this is nothing new. Go to Luke 13. We read about a tower falling on unsuspecting worshippers, um, crushed to death. In Acts 12, we see that James is beheaded whilst Peter is miraculously delivered. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with the concept of the now and the not yet of the kingdom of God. And I do want us to think about this phrase uh, just uh, for a little bit, because I think there's a reasonable amount of misunderstanding uh, associated with it. 
Before we do, let me be very clear what I mean by kingdom of God. Uh, I think I said this last week. When we refer to God's kingdom, uh, we're not really, re- really referring to an arena or a place or, a, uh, or like we have the United Kingdom. We're referring to his rule or his influence. And so when I pray for somebody's leg, for God's kingdom to come, I'm not praying that he will send the holy city on their leg. I don't think that would necessarily help. I'm praying for him to have his rule or his influence Uh, in that. Now, the term kingdom of God doesn't directly appear in the Old Testament, uh, but the long-awaited kingship of God was the hope and the theme of the prophets. God is seen as the king over Israel and over the whole of the world, Um, but the Old Testament also speaks about the day when he shall become king in a greater sense. Revelation speaks into this as well. Jonathan talked about this on Sunday. God will have the final Uh, say he says he will assert his universal sovereignty in salvation god will wipe every tear from their eyes there'll be no more death no more mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away now the issue that i have uh, with the phrase the now and the not yet of king of the kingdom of god even though i use it myself uh, and often use it to explain why people don't see the victory that we know jesus has won for us sometimes someone might say that someone wasn't healed uh, because god's kingdom wasn't present in a place or God's power wasn't moving in that place perhaps God was too busy over here doing something else for his kingdom work to be at place over here that doesn't feel like it's the right theology to me the now and the not yet is not a biblical phrase you won't find it uh, in scripture it's church speak and as I say whilst I use it for myself from time to time as a helpful illustration the phrase has more often been used to put limitations on our faith and to explain why people aren't healed rather than to cause us to rise up and to press into God's kingdom so that we might see more of that kingdom manifested around us today than we did yesterday. The kingdom is not yet because of the warfare uh, that goes on in the spiritual realms, the place where we all sit. The outworking of the kingdom of God is heavily resisted by the outworking of the kingdom of darkness. We read in Ephesians 6, I put it here, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's critical to remember that despite the victory that God achieved over Satan in the ministry and resurrection of Christ, not everything is submitted to God yet. The enemy is still active, his time is short, and the end is sure, But in the meantime, he remains a prince in this world, opposing the ways of God at every turn. But are we, we are not called to simply accept this as a fait accompli. But we're to lay hold to the promises of scripture and to press on to see the manifestation of the kingdom of God in us and through us as it was in Jesus and through Jesus. How we deal with disappointment when we see it depends on our faith. Uh, Now, that's not just, uh, you've got to have faith at the end of the day. That's not just a dodgy song uh, by George Michael. It's a truth we need to hold clear to and hold dear to. You'll have seen uh, my little uh, two-year-old Jacob around church. Uh, You'll have noticed that he likes to run around and to uh, jog. About six months ago, he took him quite a long time to learn to walk. Um, He was a bit slow in understanding it. And I have a video for you of the very first time of him doing this. Here we are. This is him doing his first uh, steps. This is our lounge. 
Hey, there we go. Now, when he fell over, obviously, uh, what Jess and I concluded was that he was a non-walking child uh, and uh, that Jacob was destined never to walk again. And we ordered all sorts of aids uh, to help him walk uh, and to live as a non-walking child uh, for the rest of his life. Of course, that's what we did. Of course, that's not what we did. Of course, that's not what we did. We kept on encouraging him and we kept on helping him uh, to do what he now does, as you'll have seen, running around and walking all of the time to the point where we're slightly missing the days when he couldn't walk places. <laughs> sure, if your parents here, you'll remember that. I've said this before, I think. John Wimber, who many of you will know, had a huge healing ministry. Um, saw thousands upon thousands of people healed. Prayed for over 100 people before he saw the first person that he prayed for healed. Now, a lot of hot air over the years has been wasted by theologians over what they call an over-realized eschatology. Write that down if you like. I didn't put it in your notes. In essence, this means that we can mean uh, we can. It, this means that we can expect too much of God's kingdom being present in the present age to over-realize eschatology. If we promise too much, then people will ultimately be disappointed. And therefore, instead of raising faith to believe that God can do the very same things that Jesus did and walked in and lived in, we reduce our faith to the level that becomes acceptable to us. Remember that um, elephant with the stick in the ground that we looked at in the first week. Now, I'm not saying, of course, that things will never go wrong. But it's our understanding of how we deal with things when they do that really matters. It's how we say, God, I am walking through the shadow of the valley of death, but I will not fear you, for you are with I will not fear, for you are with me. I love that psalm. It's one of my most favorite psalms. It's the psalm I use in funeral ministry every time I preach. Because God leads us to those green pastures. He leads us to those still waters. We're to walk through the valley of the darkness. It's not the finishing point. It's not the point where we need to stay. It's not the point where he intends for us to stay. We walk through to the green pastures and the still waters beyond. Now, last Wednesday, I had a, a pretty hard day, if I'm honest. A lot of other things uh, came in. Uh, I'd had a really lovely week's holiday the week before, uh, and uh, I came back to two days of really very hard work. Um, and you probably don't need to know this, but about half past six uh, last Wednesday, I was on the sofa at home with a blanket over my head, uh, absolutely, resolutely refusing to move. Um, and under no circumstances did I want to leave the house. Now, I suspect from time to time we all feel like that, even if you don't have the blanket that you put over your head. Life can overwhelm us from time to time. The key to understanding this teaching, however, is not to allow those feelings, those emotions, that understanding to overtake us, to not allow us to sit in the belief that we can't do this, but to understand that we do have the victory. A verse I've often gone through to in times like this is Psalm 97, verse 5. The mountains melt like wax before the Lord, before the Lord of all the earth. Whatever the size of the mountain in our way, it melts like wax before the Lord Almighty. It's in those times that we need to wrestle with God. I love that story in Genesis 22. I'm sure you'll know it. If not, I'll get up later. Of Jacob wrestling uh, with God. And he says, I will not let you go unless you bless me. Jacob sits and wrestles and refuses to let go until he knows the blessing of the Lord. 
It may take a minute. Fortunately, it did uh, last week, probably because A, I've been doing this for a long time, and B, the things that were on top of me were not particularly uh, large or difficult. It may take hours, it may take days, it may even sometimes take weeks. But the key is to say, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will walk through this dark valley because I know that you are with me. The secret is not that we need to wait until we hear God's word for us today. The key is that we know where we need to go. I said last week, one of the key parts of this teaching is to move us from the place where we're saying, am I waiting to ask, ask ourselves the question, am I waiting for God to fix me or am I choosing to submit to him and his perfect will for my life? When you feel bombarded, when you feel discouraged, when you feel like you have the weight of the world on your shoulders, you need to have faith and you need to know what it is that you're called to. We're called to run to the safety of God, to know his victory and to sit with it, regardless of how we feel. Maybe we'll need other people to help us with this. But ultimately, it's our own mindset, our own belief in our heart, not just our heads. Now, just a quick health warning uh, here, which I'll always give when I talk about this. I'm not talking about the physical condition of depression. I know I've talked about my own testimony with that. Uh, that's something quite different. And if that's something that you struggle with, then we say go to the well, go to a doctor's. It's all part of God's healing. I'm talking about disappointment, and I'm talking particularly about apathy, about how we tie ourselves to that post as elephants and believe that that is the furthest that we can move away. I strongly believe that Satan loves to lower the church's expectations of the victory of Christ so that we settle for far less than God's desire for us. I suspect this is just as true in the little parish churches around this country as it is in the large charismatic churches around the world. We're far more, with a comfort we're far more comfortable with a theology of suffering with the hope of, for a very occasional victory, rather than a theology of victory. It's a theology of victory where we can cope with disappointments and discouragements, but where that doesn't reduce our vision and our expectation of what is a possible and attainable in the kingdom of God. Now, whilst we might not see everyone healed, and we may not see everyone set free this side of glory, that does not mean that we have to accept any given situation uh, that, that, that a person will not uh, be healed. Faith lays hold to the promise of God, despite all opposition and all rational evidence. And even if a person should die or not be healed, even if we'd not, if we'd not see people set free, we should never accept this as the norm or name it as the will of God. It says on your sheets here, faith is a dynamic supernatural reality that seeks to lay hold of the invisible and supernatural resources of heaven and bring them into a, the natural realm. Faith was never designed to be a static confession of truth. If you want to understand faith more, then I suggest you read Hebrews 11. Beautiful verse 1. Faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. We need to continue to allow the scriptures to keep our vision high, to continue to believe that God is good and that he has won the victory. We need to accept and delight in God's sovereign hand over everything and trust that we are not defined by our defeats or our disappointments so that he will work in us to help us become more able to lay hold to the promises of God through faith. 
Can you pray with me for a moment? Lord, I thank you so much that you have indeed won for us the victory. You've won the victory over so many things and that we can trust in you. Lord, would you help us to metaphorically remove the peg from the ground that holds us back. Remove the peg from the ground that sets our expectation and realign ourselves with a vision that you have for your church. A church that moves in your power. A church that sees your kingdom at work. A church that shows your love to the world. Lord, I pray that you would continually prompt and point each of us as we look at this stuff over again over the year. Would you help us to remember that this is not a course, but a way of looking at your scriptures and a way of understanding you. And would you help us mostly, Lord, to know that we are your dearly loved children, that you care for us each individually, and that you long for us to be in a deeper and closer relationship with you. Amen. Amen. So you have uh, some group work to do in your groups, unsurprisingly, and some homework to do at home, unsurprisingly. Um, by way of show of hands, if this is okay, can I ask who is expecting, to, it's okay if nobody comes, uh, who is expecting to come next week? Next week is our Hearing God's Voice session two. That's great, if you could just show me, that's great. Great, that's fine. Um, we're not going to be in the church next week because it's the Christmas choir rehearsal in here. Uh, with that number, I think we'll probably be in the lounge um, with next week. So as I say, next week we're doing uh, Hearing God's Voice uh, session two. The idea of that session is that you will have at some point felt like you've heard God speak to you for you. Um, and we'll think about how you can hear God speak to you in more detail and particularly hear God speak to you for other people. Uh, and I'll be joined for that teaching by Alison Scott, who's um, uh, one of the ladies that run our prime ministry team here at St. Paul's. Uh, she's also been teaching prophetic ministry uh, around the world for some years. I won't tell you how many years because that would be indelicate of me. Uh, but some years in any case. Uh, and so uh, do, uh, do join us uh, for that if you're able to. And it, that was no, by no means, it was uh, no means uh, did I check all of your names then. Uh, and so if you'd like to come and you didn't just put your hand up, that's fine. It was just so that I knew what sort of space we needed uh, for next week. Uh, other than that, this is the end of the course. Uh, this is the official end. Next week is the uh, optional extra uh, session. So I'm really grateful for you to all engage with it. Uh, please, please do fill in uh, the feedback forms and please, please do be honest uh, with them. Uh, I can't, as I say, can take it. Um, uh, and it's really helpful because it helps us to grow the course into what it will be. Many. You can't make the... Oh, the original design prayer on the 19th, yes. Uh, sorry, yeah, no, that's fine. Um, so, uh, sorry, I realized that I asked you all to sign up on Sheets and haven't actually contacted you. I have all the Sheets, don't worry. Uh, so you only need to let me know if you don't think you've signed a Sheet. Um, 
I will, I will email you, truthfully, at this time of year, it's likely to be after Christmas, um, but please keep that morning free. All the prayer appointments will be from 9.30 uh, will be the first through till 1 o'clock-ish will be the last. If you've marked yourself as unavailable on that date, uh, one of the jobs I will try and do before Christmas is, is to make a list of how many people they are and find another date uh, and let you know that as well. Uh, and so we'll do another date for, for those that can't make the 19th of January. Uh, there's a church in Luton who have three teams that they can all come in uh, two cars and they did that for us last time if you then can't make that date uh, we have uh, some people at the well and some of our own teams who could potentially do that if you don't know the people uh, it's always good if you don't know the person I will be in touch with you about it um, it's just at this time of year it's an admin job that um, slightly falls off the list uh, it may happen in a week or two's time but probably after Christmas uh, I normally do a lot of admin in the week between Christmas and, and New Year uh, because I'm slightly dangerous to say this in a church setting but in that week nobody ever emails you uh, so you, you can empty your inbox because nobody replies because everyone else is busy um, so I normally work between Christmas and New Year and that's probably when I'll do that uh, that admin uh, you'll all now reply instantly I'm sure uh, just to amuse me but uh, but yes so probably expect to hear from me then but I will come to you don't I'll come back to you okay great as always if you've got any questions do give me a shout and I will try to answer them as best as I can thank you